0: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, August 20th, your daily dose of Flyers news analysis and high quality content that really does not want to play another game against this Montreal Canadiens team ever again. But alas, Friday it is. If you're feeling the same way I do about this series against Montreal, let us know how you feel. You can tweet us at Flyers also send us questions for our weekly mailbag, all that fun stuff. If you don't have Twitter, that's fine. You can also email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm your host, Rachel, and with me today, helping fill in for Danielle while she's away, is our friend and returning champion, Mary
1: Clark. (laughs) It's good to be back, Rachel. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank
0: you so much for joining me and uh, helping us get through these dark days without Danielle around. Mm -hmm. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Today, we are going to recap that game five against Montreal we'll get into it but unfortunately the flyers lost five to three and then we will try and figure out what the flyers have to do to bounce back and win game six and then because mary's here and we haven't heard her take we'll uh, take a swing around the nhl and get her opinion on some of the other series so far To keep up with Locked On Flyers, subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, so you can get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Sports Network. All right, Mary, (laughs) I I almost don't even know where to begin with this game. There are so many things. So many things.
1: Yeah, it was a lot. I,
0: I feel like the second period was one of the most bonkers Playoff periods I've seen in a while.
1: Yeah, I mean, after having like a bunch of Snooze Fest games in the middle, which for the record, I was perfectly fine with as long as the Flyers were winning those games, I was perfectly fine with them being Snooze Fests. Uh, but compared those games to the second period, it's been, yeah, it was quite something to say the least. It was definitely the most electric uh, part of the series so far as that second period and even bleeding a little bit into the third period, I think. So
0: one of the things that was kind of, I mean, there were many upsetting things about this game, but (laughs) I think the main thing that upset me is that the power play actually clicked in this game and they still lost.
1: Yeah. It almost feels like they're never going to be able to like replicate that success. Like we had one good game of the flyers power play and they wasted it almost. It almost does kind of feel that way. But I, I think it is encouraging that they were not, they were not only able to score on that five minute major and they were able to score again on another power play. So maybe maybe that means better things to come for game 6. Hopefully not into game 7. But I am kind of a little, you know, brightened to see that that they were not only able to just score on that 5-minute major that happened in the second period, but they were also able to score again on a different power play. So it seems to maybe be working. So I don't I don't know if I if we're going to just throw it all away into game 6. But I think that there's something to build on for sure. Something something was working during that game, even though the rest of the game didn't work out for them. There's something to build on, I think, in practice over the next day before we get into game six.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, officially the Flyers were three for seven on the mm-hmm. power play, which, you know, for the Flyers, that's amazing. Yeah. But I think... One of the things that worked for them on the power play is that they really had a stronger net front presence than they've had.
1: Yeah, and that's interesting because JVR was out of the game. So usually like somebody like him is providing that net front presence, but they were able to get that without him in the game this time. So I I do wonder, I don't know if we're going to talk about this later, but I do wonder if there will be lineup changes at all. I mean, I would... I would like to think since things didn't work out this time, there may be some lineup changes, but I do wonder if somebody like JVR subs back in to maybe provide a boost or if they think that they're the unit they have right now with the system they have working is going to work in the future.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about that lineup a little bit because the lines were pretty much the same as the last game. There was a little bit of variation, mm-hmm. I think over the course of the game in terms of who AV put out for maybe a particular face off or something, but you know, we had Raffle kind of sometimes on the fourth line, sometimes mm-hmm. on the top line mm-hmm. with Coots and Voracek. I think the the main line that concerns me is this Giroux-Grant-Lawton yeah, thing that's going on. Like, I just think that between Giroux not getting enough ice time, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and you know, Nate Thompson getting too much ice time. I think there's some problems going on there, but what do you think?
1: Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, if you were looking at Flyers Twitter during the game, you'd think Nate Thompson is the next coming of Chris Vandevelde, essentially, as that's what it seemed to be. It's suddenly, I mean, I don't think a lot of fans were high on him to begin with, but it definitely seems like we were seeing too much of him. And yeah, I don't think that drew line works with him on the third line. You're right. He's not getting enough ice time. And, even though he hasn't really, like, been showing up, like, in the goals department, I'm pretty sure he assisted on a couple of the goals in Game 5. So he's definitely been on the score sheet, and he's having positive impacts on the ice. It's just... I can kind of understand why that they went that route, is to try and kickstart the, like, bottom six. But, you know, I mean, you're rolling now into, like, uh, Game 6, and if you lose Game 6, it's now elimination time, possible elimination game for the Flyers. So I think the best course of action would be probably to put Drew back on the top line and maybe most likely take Thompson out of the lineup. I don't I don't think that that experiment is working. I mean, the game-winning goal that they gave up to Montreal, they put that line out there, and that was definitely a direct result. That goal was definitely a direct result of them being out there. So I, I, I'm I not willing to believe that Vigneault is not smart enough to like look at it that way and maybe makes up lineup lineup decisions and that'll reflect that but who's to say I, I think I have a bit more confidence in him than I did in like Axel trying to make those moves so
0: yeah I, I think you're right about putting Giroux back with the top line because if you look at his two assists from last night's game they were on the power play mm-hmm. yes However, they were with Vorachek yeah. and Couturier and Provorov. Like those are those are the players that he's used to playing with mm-hmm. most often and has the most success with. And so mm-hmm. I feel like that sh- would boost his game at this point.
1: Yeah, and Vorachek's hot too. I mean, he had he had a two-goal mm-hmm. game in game 5. So I I don't see any reason why they wouldn't put Giroud back on the top end if not to take advantage of Voracek finally like lighting up the scoreboard. So I, of course game five was a, it was a bad loss. You definitely want to take out Montreal if you can, but I'm not discouraged because I think that the coaches are smart enough to be able to make these decisions because I haven't seen any reason why they wouldn't. They made structural changes after the game two loss and directly resulted in game three victory so I I don't know I it's a lot of doom and gloom on Flyers Twitter but I guess I'm just not feeling it right now because like mistakes were made in this game but I'd I'd like to think that the coaching staff is smart enough to make these moves and maybe we'll see by the time this comes out so we'll we'll have to check back and see but I I, yeah I think that's what I'm feeling right now after that game
0: yeah I think that A.V. and the coaching staff have been pretty good with between-game adjustments. I think mm-hmm. the frustration is in-game adjustments.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it is definitely disappointing to see them roll out that that line with Thompson on it that directly leads to the game-winning goal for Montreal and stuff like that. So it's... it's I mean, he's not... It, A.V. and the coaching staff is not infallible to criticism, I don't think. So we'll see. I would like to... I My hopes are... The Flyers closed out in Game 6, and, it, and this Game 5 was just one of those funky, everything explodes. Montreal was just super, super hungry for a win, and the Flyers made some crucial mistakes that let them get back into it. Um, but I don't think we need to, like, press the immediate panic button of, like, these coaches are awful, and stuff like that, that I sometimes see floating around on Twitter. As Philly Twitter often likes to do after.
0: you. Yeah. So Mary, the line combinations for the Flyers are sometimes confusing to us, but what isn't confusing is rockauto.com. They're an amazing website that's easy to navigate, that gets you all the auto parts you need for reliably low prices. And they have the same low prices for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers like me. It's for everybody and it doesn't require an account membership or a login or anything like that. And they have body parts for hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. You can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, so getting back into some of the details of Game 5 versus Montreal. Mary, what did you think about Carter Hart's performance and the he's getting pulled, oh wait, no, he isn't decision?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean... It's a tough goal for Carter to give up the, the one that I can't. It's really funny. We just watched the game, and now I can't remember which goal was which. But the one he the soft goal he gave up right after the Flyers I think took the lead on the five minute power play. It's tough for him to give that goal up. It's it's not that like Carter has been so good this series. He's finally, he basically finally let up a soft goal. I mean, Carey Price has had. More than a few of those, I think, in this series so far. So it's it sucks that it came at such an inopportune time for the Flyers. But I think he rebounded well, though. I mean, the goal that was originally going to get him pulled was called offside. So he ended up coming back in and staying in. And sure, it was a confusing moment. But I think it was the right decision in the end. I mean, on the broadcast, you saw Vigneault talking to Hart. Briefly, obviously, we couldn't see or hear what, what was being said, but it seemed that he was giving Hart the vote of confidence to stay in. And I think he did fine the rest of the way. I mean, they lost in the end, but I don't know if you can put that the game winning goal on Carter Hart's hands. Like, I I think it was more of the defense's fault than his.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the the defense left that net wide open mm-hmm. and then Thompson was out of position. He should have been the backstop to cover for the defense not being there and he wasn't. So that's kind of what went down there, I think.
1: Yeah, I I can't really fault him for that. I mean, he did let in a soft goal for sure. Like, but I think it was the right decision to keep him in and I think it paid off well had the team in front of him not imploded and that game-winning goal happened so um I think it was a good decision overall I can see why Vigneault originally wanted to pull Hart when he let in that goal that eventually was called offside but I think it was a good idea just to keep him in I mean it seemed to have boosted his confidence like he was making plays even at the end of the second and into the third period and I don't see why they wouldn't go to Brian Elliott to start game six. I mean, you could potentially make the case because Hart just played in a back to back, but Hart's also pretty young and he's obviously frustrated Montreal more than a handful of times in this series. So I don't, I, it's a no brainer to go back to him. I don't even think if that. I don't even know if that's like a question they're considering, but it is interesting that they went with Hart for game five, but I completely understand it because he blanks them a handful of times in previous games and I, I think Hart did as best as he could in what the game like how it went down but I definitely don't pin that last goal on him for sure
0: yeah I don't think so either and I, I think you do put him in for the game on Friday as mm-hmm. well because he's shown that he can recover from a bad game yeah. in these playoffs already so uh, I'm not really worried about that aspect of it. Mm. it. It was just like an interesting <laughs> moment when you yeah. thought he was going to get pulled and then he didn't. So there were 14 penalties called in this game, including a game misconduct to Kotka Koniami on Montreal. There was a standard penalty called when Kevin Hayes got taken down on a breakaway that maybe could have, you could argue that it should have been a penalty shot. Uh, but uh, just overall, I think the officiating in the playoffs has been a little suspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think this game fit that pattern? Or or do you think that the Flyers games so far have generally been called okay?
1: Uh, I think this game more than any other that I've watched so far in the Flyers series um, definitely was a little more on the suspect side. But not just for the Flyers. I think for both teams because... There was at one point in, like, on a face-off in one of the zones, one of the Montreal players blatantly slashed, I think, Konechny's stick or whatever, and that wasn't called. And then later in the game, Brendan Gallagher got a a stick to the face and his mouth was all bloody and they didn't call that on whichever Mm -hmm. flyer was the offender. Yeah, Um, that was
0: weird to me. Yeah,
1: so I think it was just bad calls on both sides or missed calls on both sides. I mean, I saw like a lot of Montreal people on Twitter wondering if that Cock and Yemi hit was worth the five minute end game misconduct. And then there's also the thing with Sean Couturier at the end of the game after the Montreal empty net goal, he decks uh, one of the players after the goal has been scored. So the, the, I almost wonder if the, the game got out of control of the ref's hands and then the roughness we saw that translated near the end with a bunch of all those scraps and stuff possibly could have been avoided if maybe there were, you know, they were like better at keeping control of the game and maybe calling some of those plays that should have been called. But it seems as if frustration had boiled over for both sides from Philadelphia, but then also yeah. like, I mean, even Montreal at the beginning of the game just had been were outward- out of a rocket, like, shot out of a rocket, basically. They scored the opening goal pretty quickly. So, I mean, they were re- obviously raring to go for this game, and it seemed that the Flyers weren't able to match it. But by the end, it seemed they were, but we'll have to see if this intensity rolls over into the next game. I mean, for the past two games before this, they were just pretty, like, low-key affairs. So we'll have to see if it if this bubbles over into the next game.
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's going to follow into the next game, given how the game ended <laughs> with just the melee. Yeah, and and so I think that the Flyers really have to like get it together mm-hmm. and have a plan and be physical and have the speed from jump.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Montreal clearly had that in Game Five and. Not that the... I don't know if the Flyers weren't ready for it, but they just definitely did not seem to have that same intensity at the jump, and that's what got Montreal out on that 1-0 lead quite quickly. So I definitely would like to see the Flyers start out with that same intensity. Maybe not like, you know, Sean Couturier decking one of the Montreal players just randomly out on the middle of the open ice, but I'd like to see some intensity, and I'd I'd like to think, yeah, like you said, uh, the way that a game ended... I'd like to think that it'll roll over and the Flyers will carry some of that into the next game. So,
0: is there anything else you think the Flyers need to do in order to close it out in Game Six?
1: Um, play defense a little bit better. That that uh, game winner, <laughs> that game winner for Montreal, is probably gonna haunt me for a little bit. I was so excited. It was a great goal that the Flyers had just I scored know. on the power play and was like, Oh, this is perfect. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great goal. And then we turned around like less than 30 seconds later, the Flyers defense collapses. I'd like to think they'll tighten it up a bit. Cause I mean, they were able to hold Montreal off in the middle of this series quite well. So yeah, I think that's for sure. Change around the lines too. Like we talked about earlier, I, I don't think that they can roll with the same lines the way they did and be effective. But yeah, I think that's that's what I would say for the Flyers for game six, for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I think that is a solid plan. <laughs> All right, we're back with Mary Clark and... Unfortunately, the Flyers were not able to close out their series, but we had a few other of the series wrap up in the last couple days. What did you think about the Tampa-Columbus outcome?
1: Well, I'm glad Tampa Bay made me look smart, basically, because I predicted (laughs) the Lightning were going to win this series, um, and they did, and they did not fall Again to the Columbus Blue Jackets and they, you know, they were able to wrestle with their demons from last season after being swept out of the playoffs and yeah, I mean Tampa Bay was just too good. Like their scoring were was unmatched. They they just are so deep and I don't think Columbus was able to handle it the way they were able to last time. It seems as if like last year when Tampa Bay just collapsed they. From that first game on, they just weren't able to mentally like come to terms with what had happened, essentially. But now, this time, they were able to stave it off in that five-overtime game and come out the victors. And then were able to come out and win the whole series. But, like, I did not think that Columbus could do it again in a second year in a row. I just, I didn't think there was any possible way. I thought Tampa was just too deep of a team, too skilled of a team to go down like that again. And, hey, they didn't. So they're moving on to the next round, and good for <laughs> them for bringing the firepower when needed and being able to come back. And potentially the, the Tampa Bay team of last year would have taken that, um, that two-goal deficit that they had in Game 5, and they might not have been able to come back from it. But this year's Tampa Bay team did, and they were able to tie it late in the game and then win it in overtime. So it seems as if they exercised their demons and are probably going to be sticking around in the playoffs for a long time, it seems.
0: I think so, too. Another team that also, I think, was not a surprise to win their first round series is the Colorado Avalanche. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah, that... Uh, They just massacred the Yotes the last two games. I felt so bad. Yeah,
1: I do too. I mean, the, the talent disparity there is quite large. I mean, Colorado is just so good of a team. And even though the Coyotes have a defensive style and their goaltenders are really good, they're just... Yeah, they got shellacked basically in the last couple games of the series, and it yeah, it was tough to watch because I generally like the Coyotes, but it's there's not much you can do. I mean, it was just a mismatch from the beginning. It 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 was going to take a miracle of a performance from their offense basically to match with the Avalanche, and they just weren't able to do it. But that one really isn't a surprise considering just the talent disparity between the two teams.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And then, of course, on Tuesday, Vegas wrapped up their series against Chicago.
1: Yeah, I wasn't, uh, again, I also wasn't surprised to see uh, Vegas move on over Chicago. Um, Like, obviously, it was a surprise to see Chicago best the Oilers in the um, qualifying rounds. But when I knew they were when I saw they were going to be matched up against Vegas, there was no way much like, Colorado Vegas is just too talented of a team to go down in the opening round to a team like Chicago which is older I mean they've got some younger pieces but they're older they just that they're basically mismatched at every position and it showed in this series and yeah Vegas is pretty scary I mean the possible conference final between Vegas and Colorado it seems as if we might be heading towards that direction is going to be an incredible series to watch for sure. But I'm not surprised either that Vegas was able to get by the Blackhawks as quickly as they were able to.
0: And then I think, you know, for me at least, unlike Washington, who I don't think was ever as good as being in the top tier of of the East, Boston, I think underperformed in the round robin in such a way that i think people doubted them but i certainly didn't <laughs> and if, and it really seemed like once the actual playoffs kicked in they got their footing back and definitely just outperformed carolina yeah
1: i was definitely one of those people that was like oh boston doesn't have it yeah i doubted them you can definitely at me on that but we all make mistakes when we, <laughs> when we predict series for sure and i'll definitely take the l with that one. Oh. Absolutely. I I will be wrong
0: on many of these. Yeah, (laughs) I mean,
1: I wrote up my predictions and I was like, if Boston's like top line doesn't show up, they're done. But hey, they've shown up. And it sucks, though, that Andrei Svechnikov was injured and really the Hurricanes couldn't really put up as much of a fight as they could have. And yeah, I mean, when Boston's rolling, they're rolling. They definitely look disinterested in the round robin, but they were able to handle the Hurricanes quite easily, it seemed. And yeah, when they're rolling, they're a tough team to beat. And even without two Rask, Halak's a great goaltender. So I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. I, I shouldn't have, you know, thought I was being cheeky with picking the Hurricanes in that series.
0: <laughs> Speaking of predictions, do you have any for the Vancouver St. Louis series?
1: I, I predicted the Blues to win that series, um, and it seems as if they're fighting back, which is good. I mean, they also seem to be a little bit out of the round-robin tournament, um, but it, now that they, they finally seem to have something to play for, and they're starting to click again. I, and they're returning most of their, if not all of their major pieces from their Stanley Cup run a year ago. Um, so I predicted them to win, even though this Vancouver squad is young and fun and has got a lot going for them, but I, I think that their experience will win out in the end. So we'll have to see how long that series goes, but I, I think that the blues now that they're rolling after winning those games, um, are going to advance to the next round for sure.
0: Yeah. And then of course the two remaining series will have their next games today, where the islanders have another shot to close out their series versus the caps and dallas has a chance to close out their series versus calgary
1: yeah um the capitals i'm kind of disappointed by but it was nice to see them have a signs of life in their previous game um i don't know i thought they'd be a little bit better i mean i know like you said that you didn't think that they were as one of the top teams in the East compared to like teams like Boston or Tampa Bay or the Flyers. Uh, But I thought that they'd maybe put up a little bit more of a fight, but Hey, they did in their previous game. So we'll have to see if that can carry them through. I mean, it's going to be a tough road from here on out for them to advance, but I think that they have the talent to do so. I mean, it's hard to count out Ovechkin. I mean, he had such great plays in the previous game. He wanted to keep them in. So we'll see. I mean, (laughs) I mean, looking at the series as it stands now, it feels like it's the Islanders to win, but in how many games? I mean, it's hard to say, but it the it feels like it's the Islanders series to win. And as for Dallas, like I know a lot of team, like a lot of people had picked Calgary to make it out because Dallas couldn't score, but hey, Dallas can suddenly score now. So I think if they can keep up Hello, that...
0: Pavelski. Yeah,
1: like if they can keep up that momentum, I don't think that Calgary will, will be able to advance, but... We shall see. That was one of the series I had trouble predicting because I was like, "Uh, I don't, I I didn't really feel strongly about either of those two teams compared to others in the West. Um, Like I definitely could not see either of them advancing past either Colorado or Vegas. But I think that with the offensive firepower, those stars have shown so far in this series that they could make it out of this round. But I don't think that Anybody, I don't think anybody's really going to stand a chance against those top two teams in the West, for sure.
0: Yeah, it should be interesting to see how those couple of series play out. All right, so as per usual, we are going to wrap up with our Flyers fun thing. And I know it's hard to think about (laughs) a Flyers fun thing after a loss, but to get us in a better mood to get ready for Friday's game – We have a fan hype video from Chris Brennan, and this one is a real good one. It's short but sweet, and I think it'll put us all in a good mood. So we'll link to that in the show notes. That will wrap it up for today's show. Thank you so much again, Mary, for joining us. Uh, Do you want to let everybody know where they can find you?
1: Uh, You can find me at Mary C. Clark, Clark with an E, on Twitter, Uh, That's where I'm at right now. Uh, I have a newsletter that you can subscribe to. It's my top pin tweet. So if you want to follow me there, you are more than welcome to. Other than that, I'm around watching hockey. It's good to have hockey back even in mid to late August.
0: It is weird, but (laughs) actually kind of cool. Yeah. And we will be back. Tomorrow, with another special guest co-host, it'll be Deb Stanish from the Beginner's Puck podcast, one of my favorite people. And we will be discussing, obviously, Friday's game, and it will be our pleasure to present the Gritty Thing of the Week. As a reminder, we want to hear from you. Send us in any of your questions, comments, angst about the Flyers via Twitter at on Flyers, or you can email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at r rmiriam, That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. And now go tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NHL, and have a great day.